recording of the local news brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you'd like to make a donation towards the running costs or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or ring us at Colin Chance House. There isn't always someone here, but leave a message and someone will get back to you as soon as they can. And we've had a generous donation from Mr. Dennis Page. Thank you very much, Dennis, for that. Um, And I've also had a little reminder that to ask our listeners to return their memory sticks to make our um, sending out of the new one, the next recording, a bit smoother. If you've got any problem in regard to that, just give us a ring on Colin Chance House. I'm uh, Sally and Ian, Rianne and Hannah are reading with me and Nigel is our sound engineer. We'll be featuring the news from Friday, February the 17th until Thursday, February the 23rd. We'll be featuring what's on in the local area, the headline stories, some general articles and ending with a couple of sporting stories. The obituaries will be after the closing music for those who wish to hear them. Now I'll hand you over to Ian. Firstly, the sunrise at the moment is at 7.11am and the sunset is at 5.35pm. The thought for the week is from John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And the birthday list. uh, Firstly, on the 1st of March, many happy returns to Michael Wynne. Then on the 2nd of March, Marjorie Pierce. And then on the 3rd of March, we wish many happy returns to Stanley Burden. Now I'll pass you over to Hannah. For some useful phone numbers. Here in Wilds Lane, we are on 01905 767766. The police non-emergency number is 101. The Worcester Hub is 01905 765765. The Samaritans are on 116123. Malvern Theatres on 01684 The non-emergency helpline for medical reasons is 111. And Worcester Wheels for transport are available between 8.30 and 4.30 on 01905 And now for a bit of what's on in the local area over the next few weeks. Uh, Malvern Festival Theatres has got Relatively Speaking by Alan Akebourne, starring Lisa Goddard, Stephen Pacey and Anthony Eden. Um, it's on between the 7th of March to Saturday the 11th of March. 
Um, price depends on the date and time that um, the, the, you're attending, but the costs start at £30 and finish at £46. Box office number is 01684 892277. Um, a world-famous flamenco guitarist who performed for Picasso on his 90th birthday will play in Malvern. Joan Martin will come to Malvern Cube on Friday, March the 10th, hosted by Versatile Arts and Moo Moo Audio. The 75-year-old will transport the crowd to the classic Spain of Malaga, Granada, Cordoba and Jerez on a journey through the diverse cultures of Andalusia. Joan is described as producing sounds that are both melodic and explosive, the visceral power of authentic flamenco. Juan incorporates a myriad influences from the gypsy culture of Rajasthan in northern India to the Byzantine chants plus the Hebraic and Moorish laments of Spain's colonisation of South America. The sounds of Argentina and Cuba also evident in the rumba, guajiras and milonga. A native of Andalusia, Joan Martin has recorded 20 albums, mostly as a composer, and has played with the Royal Philharmonic and greats like Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock. Joan has twice been voted one of the world's top three exponents by Guitar Player magazine and performed for Picasso on his 90th birthday. Doors open at 7.30pm with a performance beginning at 8pm. Tickets are priced at £20 and are available from www.versatilearts.co.uk and that's in Malvern Cube on Friday, March the 10th. Best-selling author Kate Moss, OBE, will shine the spotlight on women whose achievements have been overlooked in her first ever one-woman show coming to Worcester. Uh, Swan Theatre on Saturday, March the 18th. Based on her most recent non-fiction book, Warrior Queens and Quiet Revolutionaries, How Women Also Built the World, in each show, Kate, founder of the Women's Prize for Fiction, will highlight women from every corner of the world and in every period of time. She'll also share how she tracked down her own long-forgotten relative, Lily Watson, in whose literary shadow she is walking. Ms Moss, who is best known for her 2005 global bestseller, Labyrinth, describes the show as a love letter to history. She said, My hope is that warrior queens and quiet revolutionaries will inspire, as I have been inspired. It's a love letter to history and about how, without knowing where we come from, Truthfully and entirely, we cannot know who we are. Each night, the audience will meet the mothers of invention and pirate queens, unsung pioneers pioneers of medicine and women's rights, those who dazzled on the screen, the stage and in the sports stadium, those fought for what they believed and those who reached for the stars, and the female scientists whose work was overlooked or misattributed. At every show, Ms Moss will also be asking the audience as they leave to nominate the one woman from history they would have put in her book. Her live tour will be at Worcester Swan Theatre on Saturday, March the 18th. Tickets cost £30 and are on sale at Swan Theatre or box office on 01905 611 Thank you, Rianne. And now we'll go to the headline stories for the week. 
starting on Friday, February the 17th, four more arrests as police hunt Bailey's killers. <clears throat> Armed police swooped on a home near Worcester to arrest four men in connection with an alleged murder. The operation in Norton led to four men being detained on Tuesday, February the 7th, in connection with the murder of Bailey Atkinson in Walsall. A witness who declined to be named said armed officers from West Midlands Police were involved in the arrests. West Midlands Police said, We've arrested six men as we continue our inquiries into the murder of Bailey Atkinson in Walsall Town Centre. We detained two men, aged 19 and 20, after stopping a vehicle in Leemore on February the 6th. They were arrested on suspicion of Bailey's murder and remain in police custody today for questioning. We also detained four men, aged 18, 20, 21 and 25, from an address in Worcester during the early hours of February the 7th. They were also arrested on suspicion of murder and have been taken into our cells where they will be questioned. Bailey was attacked on the high street during the early hours of January the 28th. He was taken to hospital but died of his injuries. A post-mortem examination revealed the 20-year-old from Blockswich had dried of, died of multiple stab wounds. Sonny Loveridge, aged 18, and a 17-year-old boy from Walsall, who cannot be named because of his age, were due to appear before Wolverhampton magistrates on February the 13th, bringing the number of teens charged with Bailey's murder to six. The latest update is that two more people have been charged with the murder. Two boys, aged 15 and 17, who cannot be named because of their age, were due to appear before Wolverhampton magistrates this week. Anyone with information to assist our inquiries can speak to Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 and now for the lead story on Saturday and Sunday, February the 18th and 19th. Stolen car flips in crash. A driver and passenger fled the scene of a crash after their stolen car flipped onto its side. The crash happened in Cranham Drive near the junction with Chedworth Drive in Warnden, Worcester on Thursday as a driver and passenger ran away. Descriptions have been issued of the suspects and West Mercia Police is appealing for CCTV or other footage which could help them with their inquiries. As previously reported, the crash happened at around 10.35pm and involved a car and parked van causing a road closure. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, Police responded to a report of a two-car collision in Chedworth Drive in Worcester. A car has been in collision with a van. As a result of the collision, the car had overturned. The two occupants of the car ran off from the scene. A witness described the men who ran away from the car as being one an Asian man in his late teens to early twenties wearing a grey hooded jacket and grey joggers. The second is described as a white man and described a younger man than the first, wearing a blue-black jacket. Following officers' inquiries, it was established the vehicle involved, a Nissan Duke, had been stolen in a car-key burglary from an address in Shap Drive in Worcester. A purse was also stolen in the burglary along with the car keys. No arrests have been made. 
A spokesperson for Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said, We were called out to a road traffic collision and potential fuel spill in Worcester at 10.44pm. One crew from Worcester Fire Station attended in Cranham Drive, Warnden, after a two-vehicle incident which led to the road being closed. The crew made one car, which was on its side on the pavement, safe using small tools. The second vehicle involved, a van, which had been parked and was still on all four wheels, was left where it was. The leaking liquid turned out to be windscreen washer. Officers are examining dash cam footage of the collision and are appealing for anyone with any dash cam footage, doorbell footage in Shap Drive to make contact with Sergeant Natalie Ray on email natalie.ray, spelled R-A-E, at westmercia.police.uk. And on Monday, February the 20th, the headline was Packed into the Little Hutches. A housing activist who condemned some crowded city homes as human rabbit hutches has welcomed tighter rules. Edward Kimberley has renewed his appeal to clear up Tolodyne in Worcester and improve conditions within houses in multiple occupation, HMOs. There are 425 HMOs in Worcester licensed under the mandatory scheme and a further 282 under the additional licensing scheme. The 27-year-old last month exposed the state of Tolodyne, including mattresses and other rubbish dumped in gardens in D-Way, near the junction with Avon Road, and rotting bags of offal in Team Road and Avon Road. Mr Kimberley said it's easy to point the finger at residents, but I think that's a mistake. Gorse Hill Ward is in such a sorry state, in part, because rules that were written in protecting it were torn up in an act of political vandalism. That's why I'm so grateful to the Labour Group for agreeing to put forward a motion to restore these HMO licensing rules to the whole of the city and to the rest of the City Council for giving it cross-party support. In a speech at Worcester Guildhall last November, Mr Kimberley said, Migrant workers are packed into human rabbit hutches with no security, no safety, no dignity. They are tricked into signing dodgy contracts that will keep them trapped for months on end. On May 26, 2020, Worcester City Council adopted rules to require additional licensing for the creation of new HMOs in five wards of the city, St John, St Clement, Bedwardine, Cathedral and Arboretum. However, a motion last November agreed that all wards in the city would benefit from being covered by these rules. The council resolved to revoke the exemptions and instead require additional licensing for HMOs across the whole of the city. The designation came into force on September 1st, 2020 and will last for five years until August 31st, 2025. Nationally, there is a mandatory requirement for all HMOs with five or more people sharing facilities to be licensed. 
This requirement came into force in 2006 as a consequence of the Housing Act 2004. Councils have discretionary power to introduce additional licensing, which can extend the requirements for licensing to HMOs that have fewer than five people sharing facilities. In September 2015, following a period of public consultation, the City Council launched an additional licensing scheme covering the whole city. All HMOs with two beds or more were required to be licensed. In 2020, the City Council's Communities Committee decided to retain the scheme in the five wards with the most HMOs, Arboretum, Bedwardine, St John and St Clements. Tuesday, February the 21st, the headline read, OAP's fears over late-night door knocks. A mystery door knocker has been terrorising vulnerable and elderly people in sheltered accommodation for over a decade. Residents from Chelmsford Court near Perry Wood claim someone has been knocking on their doors, walls and windows three or four times a week during the middle of the night. But the perpetrator has never been caught. Byrne Roberts, aged 75, moved to Chelmsford Court after being attacked near the railway arches in Worcester in 2007. But Mr Roberts said he has fallen victim to antisocial knocking for the past 15 years. Mr Roberts said, You can't have a decent night's sleep. I've had to change my lifestyle because of the knocker and I tend to take a nap in the afternoon, but it can make you feel like you're in a prison. You're always on edge because of it. We don't know who it is, but it must be someone who is active in the winter. Not only that, but the ex-postman said he had been struggling to sleep for the past few weeks due to a hernia. It is a little disheartening because it happens at around 3.15am and you're not up at that time in the morning to check quickly enough. Due to my hernia, I can only sleep on one side and it's difficult for me to get up. Patricia Agar, councillor, said... This has been a long-standing problem. People are being victimised and someone is knocking on their doors and walls and then running away. They're obviously very nimble because they are able to get away very quickly. The residents don't know who it is and they're frightened and scared. Residents go to Chelmsford Court because it is a sheltered and safe place. It's sheltered accommodation that is being invaded all the time. There are about four residents who are experiencing it. A police spokesperson said, We've spoken to members of the Safer Neighbourhood team for Battenhall and Nunnery who are not aware of an ongoing issue with Knockdoor Run at Chelmsford Court. However, we have yet to speak to everyone on the team as some are not on duty until later this week. Once we have spoken to the rest of the team and established the facts, we will be in a position to provide further comment. A spokesperson from Platform Housing said, We're sorry to hear this is currently an issue for our residents. This has been raised previously and our on-site team have explored various ways possible to help in both identifying the perpetrator and reassuring the residents. Our residents' safety is of paramount importance and we will revisit this issue with them. And Wednesday, February the 22nd, Police drop keying case. 
an explicit word was keyed into a popular Jamaican food trailer parked in the city by a drunk man, but police have closed the case. Selassie Clark, owner of Jamaica Wagwan on Church Street, said his business was keyed with a four-letter swear word by a man who appeared to be drunk. CCTV footage captured the moment a man who appeared drunk approached the trailer before keying an expletive into the side of the van. Mr Clark said, I have no idea who the guy is and I have never met or spoken to him before. I have no idea why he would want to do this to my business. The man came right up to the van and keyed a swear word right into it. Mr Clark said he has faced racial abuse in the city previously but is not sure if the vandalism was of a similar nature. He said, I do not know if this is a racial thing, but I've been in the UK for the past 21 years and 11 of those years have been right here in Worcester. During that time, the most racial abuse I have received has sadly been in Worcester. A West Mercia police spokesman said, despite Mr Clark reporting a crime, the incident has now been closed. However, it will be reopened if further investigative opportunities become available. They said, on January the 4th, we received a report of criminal damage caused to a food trailer in Church Street in Worcester. The crime was investigated as far as reasonably possible, but no suspect was identified. The case has been closed pending further investigative opportunities becoming available. It is not the first time Mr Clark has faced issues. In 2017, Neil Hotchkiss launched a tirade of racial abuse aimed at Mr Clark and a group of his friends who were stood outside the trailer. At the time, the incident was filmed and posted on Facebook. Mr Clark said at the time, the man was saying things such as, your kind, your kind are not welcome here in this country. The business serves a wide variety of traditional Jamaican cuisine such as curry goat, patties, jerk chicken, ackee and salt fish and oxtail. And the lead story for today, Thursday, February the 23rd. Steep increase in regions burglaries. Police have arrested 28 suspected burglars in Worcestershire since the new year after a swift response to a big spike in break-ins. Since January the 1st this year, West Mercia Police has made 28 arrests across South Worcestershire, which includes Worcester, Morven, Pershaw, Evesham and Droitwich. A senior detective based at Worcester Police Station says support from the public and prompt reporting of burglaries in progress by vigilant residents has been instrumental in city officers making arrests. In January this year, there have been 129 burglaries of all kinds across South Worcestershire, including 90 domestic burglaries. The overall figure includes commercial burglaries, raids on shops and businesses, and on homes. The domestic burglaries figure includes break-ins not confined to the house itself, but criminal activity within the boundaries of the entire property, which could include, for example, sheds, gardens, yards and outbuildings. Some of the burglaries have been involved, have involved the theft of shotguns and air rifles stolen in attacks on remote and isolated rural locations on the Worcestershire and Herefordshire border. 
A burglary at Argos in Blackpool in Worcester on Sunday, January the 8th, saw officers make a series of arrests and recover stolen laptops. The overall burglary figure rose from January 2022 when there were 89 burglaries, of which 73 were domestic burglaries. There were 154 burglaries in January 2020, 112 of which were domestic burglaries, and 115 in January 2021, of which 81 were domestic burglaries. DI Dave Knight of South Worcestershire Proactive CID said the previous dips in the rate of burglary reflected the number of, of arrests made of burglars, and his hope is that arrests recently will similarly reduce offending. He added, It's a significant number of arrests, which is reflective of the focus we put on burglaries, but also the relationship we have with the public, where they will contact us if they see anything suspicious taking place. A lot of these arrests have been the result of people reporting suspicious activity. Keep contacting us. We will respond quickly. DI Knight's advice remains to call 999 if a burglary is in progress, which allows officers to be deployed to the scene more quickly. He says this is likely to result in arrests and conservation of vital evidence to assist in building a case and ultimately will help secure convictions and jail time for offenders. And now for more general news. A collapsed wall and landslip continues to affect trains to and from Worcester, but I believe as of today this may have been remedied. The collapse happened at Yarnton near Oxford last Friday evening and has caused part of the railway line between Oxford and Worcester to close while Network Rail undertakes emergency repairs. Train services between Worcester and London are being diverted via Swindon and a shuttle train service is operating between Worcester, Great Malvern and Charlbury. Network Rail said it was on site immediately following the collapse to repair the damage and put in, put in place protective barriers to protect the rail line. But further landslips have continued to occur in the embankment adjacent to the bridge and as a result, the railway between Oxford and Kingham is currently closed. Network Rail's team of engineers has been on site investigating options to stabilise the embankment so that the road bridge and railway underneath can be safely reopened to traffic. The ground is currently extremely unstable and poses a significant risk to the stability of the road and utilities in the road. The landslide has also exposed a gas main and works are required to protect the pipeline as well as the ground around it. Network rail engineers are now working with specialist civil engineering contractors Balfour Beatty to design and install sheet piling to act as a retaining wall to support the embankment and road and make it safe to undertake long-term repairs. Engineers will work to fully reopen the railway to passenger services under a speed limit from next Wednesday. 
Following this, further work will be undertaken to reinforce the structure and ground before removing the speed limit once the bridge and surrounding area are identified as fully secure. Nikki Hughes from Network Rail said, We've been working closely with our specialist civil engineers and southern gas networks to identify the best plan to stabilize the ground to support the embankment and road over it as quickly and safely as possible. We'd like to thank passengers and the local community around Yarnton for their patience and Great Western Railway for providing rail replacement bus services for passengers between Oxford and Kingham. For the latest travel information, visit www.nationalrail.co.uk. Heartbroken staff at a popular Indian restaurant have been flooded with messages of love and support from loyal customers. Ashley's in the Tithing in Worcester will carry on offering an expanding takeaway-only service, but the restaurant itself is due to close at the end of this month, causing sadness from both customers and staff. Since the announcement, scores of customers have been leaving comments in a book at the restaurant. A spokesperson for the restaurant said, just a handful of some of the hundreds of wonderful messages we've received in the last couple of weeks. We cannot put into words how much your support means and we look forward to continuing to serve you all from our new format Ashley's for many years to come. One message read, love the service, it's why we come back and for food. We're very sad you're in the current situation. Another spoke of family member memories tinged with sadness and lots of fun laughter and love over fantastic food another customer wrote about how three generations of the family had enjoyed the food and service at ashley's one loyal customer said i am 73 and have been a customer for over 30 years this was echoed in another comment which read i have been coming 30 years always great food and amazing service thank you over the years, Ashley's in the tithing has been enjoyed by generations of the same family, not to mention some international cricketing legends. Monwa Kandokas, a manager at Ashley's, said customers had so far reacted with a lot of sadness to the news. The restaurant side of the business would close. Diners will no longer be able to sit down for a meal from Monday, February the 27th. Mr Kandokas was only 21 or 22 when his family took over the restaurant and feels he has grown up with the business and seen many of his customers grow up too. The 38-year-old said, Customers have seen us grow up. A lot of customers we have seen come with their little children who are now towering over us. Ashley's is a family tradition. It's a generational thing. Ashley's, which already had a well-established takeaway business, producing 70% of their trade, will expand the takeaway delivery range from three miles to five miles. Mr Kondokas said, We're excited about the opportunities. That's the only way to look at it. It's the end of an era, but we're excited about this new venture. The change has been blamed partially on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Rising costs for the business the ability to recruit and retain staff with the level of skill required and more people preferring to eat at home. Choristers battled it out in a pancake race around Worcester Cathedral. They ran through the hallowed halls of the iconic city landmark as the popular tradition to mark Shrove Tuesday made its return. 
With Pancake Day falling on half-term, the decision was made to host the tradition a little earlier than usual on Wednesday, February the 15th. The two teams were made up of the two sides of the cathedral choir, Cantoris led by the presenter and Decani led by the dean. Competitors donned their cassocks and grabbed their frying pans as they raced around the cathedral's medieval cloisters, having to overcome obstacles all while flipping pancakes. The two sides competed to see who could complete the, complete the course the fastest as students from King's St Albans lined the halls to cheer them on. In the end, it was Team Cantoris who came out on top, redemption for the side who suffered defeat last year. Captain of the winning team, the presenter, Canon John Paul Hoskins, said, It was an honour to be on the winning team for my second pancake race as presenter, following the disappointment of my inaugural race last year. Dikani put up a brave fight, but there can only be one winner on the day. Well done to all involved. You can watch all the action from this year's pancake race on worcesternews.co.uk. Pancake Day, or Shrove Tuesday, is the traditional feast day before the start of Lent on Ash Wednesday. Lent, the 40 days leading up to Easter, was traditionally a time of fasting, and on Shrove Tuesday, Anglo-Saxon Christians went to confession and were shriven, absolved from their sins. A bell would be rung to call people to confession. This came to be called the Pancake Bell and is still rung today. Shrove Tuesday always falls 47 days before Easter Sunday, so the date varies from year to year and falls between February the 3rd and March the 9th. Shrove Tuesday was the last opportunity to use up eggs and fats before embarking on the Lenten fast, and pancakes are the perfect way of using up these ingredients. A pancake is a thin, flat cake made of batter and fried in a frying pan. A traditional English pancake is very thin and is served immediately. Golden syrup or lemon juice and caster sugar are the usual toppings for pancakes. The new owners at Sixways will face questioning from supporters of Worcester Warriors on what is a crucial day in the club's history today. Exactly six months on from the day when the club was first issued with the winding up petition by HMRC, the fan base will finally be able to have their say on what has happened in that time and what is going to happen to the club going forward. Jim O'Toole and James Sanford, who last week exchanged contracts with administrators Begby's trainer over the sale of the rugby club, will face 550 people at Six Ways on Saturday afternoon as they present their proposals for the future to those in attendance. But the event will also enable supporters a chance to voice their concerns, mainly on Atlas's proposal to ditch the Worcester Warriors brand and form Six Ways Rugby with semi-professional club Starbridge RFC. Those proposals from Atlas, the company that looks set to take control at Six Ways, have not gone down well with fans or the wider rugby community. Many had hoped Warriors would return to the championship next season, but that will not be happening after Atlas's decision to withdraw their championship application, despite reporting a positive meeting with the RFU last weekend. That decision left the RFU 
with no regulatory means to enforce the payment of rugby creditors, meaning millions of pounds owed to staff, players, coaches and local sponsors would not be paid, which has also angered many in the local community. So what questions will be asked? It's fair to say the name change will be top of the list. But what about WASPs? Are they going to play at Six Ways next season? What does the merger with Starbridge look like? What happens if the RFU don't allow these proposals in any case? Either way, there is much to discuss on Saturday and no doubt emotions will be running high as fans look to get the answers they so desperately crave. The Worcester News will be running a live blog throughout the event, bringing you all the reaction. A museum in London is looking for people's memories, photos and film of rock legend Jimi Hendrix when he performed in Worcester. Hendrix played Worcester's historic Gomond Theatre on April 2, 1967, just three years before his death. Handel and Hendrix in London, that cares for Hendrix's home, is hoping to restore the property as part of a three million project to include exhibitions about his life and music. The museum hopes to source people's memories and personal photographs of times they experienced Jimmy at a gig, in a club or just out and about. The memories and images will be captured on a dedicated web page and a selection will be included in an exciting new documentary film played in the exhibition. The museum wants to create a film that truly evokes the world Hendrix lived in, so snaps of fans at gigs are as welcome as photographs of the legendary guitarist himself. Jimi Hendrix lived in a flat at 23 Brook Street, Mayfair, from 1968 to 69, with his girlfriend Kathy Etchingham, a time when he and his band, the Jimi Hendrix Experience, were changing the shape of rock music forever. Claire Davies, deputy director of Handel and Hendrix in London, said... Were you at Woodstock or the Isle of Wight? Did you see Jimmy in a club in Newcastle or Bristol or Worthing, among others? Alternatively, did he smile at you in the street or did you sell him some clothes or furniture? We hope Hendrix fans around the world will want to see their memories, photographs and even film included in this new exhibition. It's time to get up into the attic and dig out those photograph albums and cine films from the 1960s, reminisce and then go to our website to tell us what you can share. The deadline for submissions is Friday, March 31st, 2023. The museum is currently closed for refurbishment and will reopen on Thursday, May 18th. Hendrix wasn't the only big star to play at Worcester's new, now-empty Gaumont Theatre. The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Cliff Richard, Queen and David Bowie also played at the venue in Forgate Street. In November last year, Hendrix was honoured with new artwork installed at the Worcester Plinth overlooking the River Severn in Worcester. 
For more information and to share your experience, visit https colon forward slash forward slash handlehendrix.org forward slash your hyphen experience hyphen handle hyphen hendrix hyphen in hyphen london hyphen appeals hyphen for hyphen your hyphen memories hyphen of hyphen jimmy hyphen hendrix Worcester residents are being asked to give their views on a new housing strategy that sets out how the needs of city residents will be met over a 20-year period in Worcester and the wider county. The draft Worcestershire housing strategy sets out proposed policies for meeting the future housing needs of people who live in the city and county and also addressing health inequalities and the challenges of climate change in the period up to 2040. City residents are being invited to give their views on the strategy in a public consultation. Their responses will feed into an action plan that will be drawn up, setting out the steps that will be taken in Worcester to meet the aims of the strategy. Councillor Jabba Riaz, chair of Worcester City Council's Communities Committee, said, The policies in the Worcestershire housing strategy will be at the very centre of our efforts to meet the housing needs of our city's growing population, and I would encourage everyone to have their say on this draft strategy at www.worcester.gov.uk forward slash voice it dot. The deadline for taking part in the consultation is March the 28th. Printed versions can be collected from Trinity Street Housing Advice Centre Worcester WR1 2PW or call 01905 722 for a copy to be posted. City councillors have agreed to increase their pay by more than £200 this year. The minimum pay for each councillor in Worcester will now be £4,791 for the next 12 months following a vote in the Guildhall. The Independent Remuneration Panel, IRP, which makes recommendations every year on how much councillors should be paid, said the basic allowance, which is, set, which is paid to all councillors for the next 12 months, should be £5,081, which is a rise of more than 7%. The four political, groups lead, four political group leaders on the City Council agreed to ignore the IRP's recommendation and opted to up the basic allowance by 5%. To 4,791, a rise of 228 pounds on the 4,563 pounds each councillor was given this year. Councillor Chris Mitchell, leader of Worcester City Council, said councillors need to start having a mature conversation about how much they are paid and stop ignoring independent advice. I think at some point the group leaders on this council are going to have to accept that we have an independent review panel, as do all the other councils who, who make a recommendation based on pretty hard work and study, and that we are slowly slipping behind, he said at the meeting on Tuesday. For some councillors, that's not a problem. It's only a few hundred quid. But for other councillors, that might be quite a lot of money and it might detract people from taking up this role.
We are trying to increase the diversity and the opportunity for people to become counsellors. It's not an easy decision. I get that. We all like to kick MPs when they give themselves a pay rise. However, I think at some point we are going to have to either say we don't want the IRP or we ignore what they say. Or actually, we are going to accept their recommendations. It's not because I'm greedy and I want a couple of hundred quid. It's because I think it is the right thing to do. There are lots of people at the moment, whether you agree with it or not, that are striking for considerably higher pay rises, and many of the people in the room will be supporting that. Two men are waiting to learn their fates for their part in causing a disturbance in a Worcester street. Billy Corns, aged 36, of Southfield Street in Worcester, and Jamie Lewis, aged 35, of Belmont Road in Malvern, were involved in the disturbance in Southfield Street, Arboretum, which led to armed police being called. Corns and Lewis admitted a fray and criminal damage last month and appeared at Worcester Crown Court on Thursday, February the 16th, to be sentenced. But Dutch Judge Nicholas Cole adjourned their case for pre-sentence reports on the pair telling them to appear at the court on April the 14th, when they will finally be sentenced. About 15 armed police with guns and riot shield were called to the foul-mouthed disturbance in the street on January the 13th. The street had to be closed for several hours during the incident, with residents told to stay indoors and others unable to return to their homes. A police cordon covered both ends of the street and East Street as people were warned to stay indoors for their own safety. During the incident, a topless man could be seen leaning out of the window of the terraced house as objects and obscenities were hurled at officers. Many officers had full protective gear on, including helmets, body armour, assault rifles and riot shields, while others manned the cordon to protect the public and preserve evidence. The sound of breaking glass could be heard, and among the objects that were seen being thrown were pieces of wood and furniture. The road was littered with debris as officers surrounded a property before a man was led away in handcuffs. One resident, who did not wish to be identified, told us at the time his ten-year-old daughter had been a little scared and she had not seen anything horrible like this before. Unable to return to his home near the disturbance, he said his wife tried to leave, but was told to remain indoors by officers. Fire officers and an ambulance also attended. A shopping trolley and a destroyed wheelie bin were among the finds magnet fishers pulled from the river. Crowds of interested walkers gathered around the Peaky Dippers as they used magnets to pull items from the River Severn. As well as their equipment, they also had set up tripods to record their finds for YouTube. Their haul has been piled up on the riverside near South Quay and cordoned off with red and white tape ready for removal. A yellow caution notice was also placed on the pile. Among the hall were several shopping trolleys, bike wheels, a wheelie bin and various bits of scrap metal. 
It was a far cry from December when their visit closed off the riverside at South Quay. The Peaky Dippers found an 18-pound unexploded artillery shell and police were called who cordoned off the riverside on Wednesday, December the 28th. At the time, Magnet Fisher Nigel Lamford said, When I found it, I thought, hmm, not again. This is not the first one we found. We've shut down the River Thames and a train station in Birmingham over what we have found. South Quay was closed off for several hours and the unexploded Second World War bomb was later detonated in a farmer's field in Worcestershire. Over the past three and a half years, the Peaky Dippers have posted their findings on YouTube, amassing a total of almost nine million views. The moment the group of magnet fishers pulled the unexploded First World War bomb out of the River Severn has since been released on the site. While showing the viewers what the bomb looked like, Mr. Lamford said, Oh, well, looks like we're leaving early today. Flipping head, not good, not good at all. The YouTuber's videos get thousands of views, with several being filmed in Worcester, with the video about the unexploded bomb being viewed almost 39,000 times. Canal and Rivers Trust say it does not allow magnet fishing as it can be extremely dangerous. Items dragged out by magnets could be sharp or heavy and cause you to be dragged into the water. We've even had reports of people fishing out old war bombs and dumped weapons. Hot air balloons will take to the skies of Worcester. The city looks set to host the first ever Worcester Balloon Festival later this year. Organised by Showtime Events Group Limited, more than 40 balloonists have already expressed their interest in attending and tickets are on sale now. A spokesperson for Showtime said, It is guaranteed to be an amazing spectacle. The first of its kind festival will take place at Worcester Racecourse on Friday, May the 12th and Saturday the 13th. There will be plenty going on besides the balloons, with plans for live arena entertainment, a funfair, local stalls, street food and drink stands, fireworks and a circus workshop. An application has been submitted to Worcestershire Regulatory Services to allow for entertainment at the event and the sale of alcohol. Showtime has applied to host live music, recorded music, plays and anything of a similar description between midday and 10.30pm on Fridays and Saturdays. The festival will open at 4pm on the Friday with plans for an evening balloon ascent followed by a hot air balloon night glow. The night glow involves the balloons being illuminated like lanterns as they are choreographed to music, organisers say. Friday will finish with fireworks before closing at 11pm. Saturday will see an early start with the first balloon launch at around 6am. Gates will open for the main event at 11am ahead of a full day of entertainment. The arena will host performances from motorcycle display teams Stunt World and Jamie Squibb Freestyle, the, Amer the American Civil War Society and the Got to Sing Choir. 
Flotsam, the Fool's Circus Workshop, will also be running to provide classes on circus skills suitable for all ages alongside a fun fair and a selection of local traders. Throughout the day, there will be opportunities to get up close and personal with the balloons and their pilots. A supermarket chain has revealed it will be opening its express store in the city centre. Construction work has been taking place at 88 to 89 High Street for several months in order to transform it into a new Tesco Express. The supermarket giant is set to open up its newest store in the former Pound Shop, which closed a year after opening. Previously, it was the home of music shop HMV until the company fell into administration and eventually closed down in 2020. Earlier this week, onlookers spotted signs, shelves and tills being put up inside the store. Ryan Holt, Tesco Worcester store manager, said, We are extremely excited to be opening our new Worcester High Street store and helping to serve the local community. We want to continue to offer great value to our customers with a wide product range and the benefits of Tesco club card and club card pricing to our customers. We have 16 new colleagues joining the team from the local area and we know that local knowledge and experience will be so important as we look to build connections and play our part in the community. Tesco bosses hope the store opening will have a positive impact on the wider community of Worcester through its programmes such as Tesco Community Grants and Community Food Connection. The opening of the store has created several jobs in the area, but the team is still looking to fill more vacancies. And the store has also pledged to keep its prices competitive due to pressures on household budgets. Over the last five years, the supermarket's customers across the West Midlands have helped to raise over £7.4 million for more than 3,800 local groups and good causes through its Blue Token voting scheme, known as Tesco Community Grants. On Saturday, February the 18th, people noticed shelves inside the supermarket looking bare, but ready, and the self-service tills had been installed. The store will be open from 7am to 10pm, seven days a week. It will sell lottery tickets, food to go and chilled wines and beer. The sign also features a Costa coffee and every parcel delivery logo. You may have become aware of some high-tech gadgets flying over near county landmarks recently. High-tech drones are being used by Worcestershire County Council to carry out bridge inspections. The drones, fitted with cameras, are being trialled by the County Council in partnership with contractors Jacobs and Ringway to inspect bridge structures. They hope the inspections will be carried out in better, safer, more cost-effective and recordable ways. The drones have a dedicated professional pilot, whilst the camera is controlled by a bridge inspector to enable them to focus on any areas of interest. Councillor Mike Rouse, Worcestershire County Council's Cabinet Member for Highways and Transport, said, It is fantastic to see that we have started to trial drone technology. This could contribute greatly towards helping us inspect and maintain bridges in a much more efficient way, proving a huge benefit to road users in Worcestershire. We have around 1,500 bridge structures across the county, and if we need to close them, 
residents and businesses are all inconvenienced. We are committed to bringing this innovation forward to help us better manage our bridges and potentially other structural assets too, such as culverts. This will help us get the maximum value from our budget. The use of drones will not in any way replace the judgment of our professional structures engineers, but could lead to a more efficient and safer way of making inspections. The first bridge inspection of its kind took place this month at Mildenham Canal Bridge, Clanes. The council says that risk is minimised by using the drones in areas where access would usually be very difficult to reach and the inspection can be carried out effectively. The information that is collected could help improve the historic record of the structure, enabling changes to be identified more easily over time. Worcester Cathedral has welcomed Reverend Kimberly Bohan as the new residentiary canon. Kimberly will be responsible for the cathedral's learning programme and historic library, working alongside the Director of Learning Dan Parnell and Librarian David Morrison. She will also be chaplain of St Oswald's Hospital, the Almshouse in the Tithing, which is an ancient part of the cathedral foundation. Kimberley grew up in the States and moved to Britain after studying in St Andrews. She was ordained in the Scottish Episcopal Church in 2003 and served her curacy in Glasgow. She was a rector of Holy Trinity de Noon with St Paul's Rothsay and St Martin's and then rector of St Mary's Dunblane. Since 2013, she's been rector of the Waltham Group in the Diocese of Lincoln and has served as Rural Dean of Haverstow since 2020. In her time off, Kimberly enjoys walking by rivers, taking photographs, baking bread and going to the theatre. Kimberly said, I'm honoured and delighted to have been appointed as a residentiary canon at Worcester Cathedral and chaplain of St Oswald's Hospital. This role holds together 1,000 years of commitment to care and friendship at St Oswald's, with an even longer history of commitment to education, curiosity and shared learning at the cathedral. I'm thrilled to get to share in this work and get to know the communities who sustain a life of prayer, learning and welcome at St Oswald's and the Cathedral. The Dean, the very Reverend Peter Atkinson, said, I'm delighted by Kimberley's installation and look forward to working with her. She brings the gift the Cathedral needs at this time and her appointment completes a strong, strong clergy team. A gritty city councillor, dubbed the Terrier, showed her metal and muscle when she moved a bed for a disabled resident. Councillor Jill Desera, who has been compared to a Yorkshire Terrier, wrestled with the old mattress in Cranham Court, Warnden, determined to get it into her car boot and away to the tip. The Warnden Labour councillor, a vocal critic of the blight of fly-tipping in her ward, said she was absolutely determined to help a vulnerable resident, only recently discharged from hospital, with struggled to move the big bed by herself. The councillor showed her grit when she moved the mattress into the boot of her car on Thursday afternoon. 
when you consider the vehicle is a Toyota Yaris, that is perhaps no mean feat. From Warnden, the Terrier did not tarry, heading straight to the tip on Bilford Road to heave the mattress into the big crusher. Her prompt and hands-on actions earned her a big thank you from Lorraine Butler of Cranham Court, off Cranham Drive, who has COPD, arthritis and heart problems and had been struggling to move the mattress by herself. Mrs Butler, 64, said, It makes a change to see somebody like a councillor or an MP helping people who are desperately vulnerable. It's nice Jill is doing this for the vulnerable people. I have only just come out of hospital. The doctors are keeping an eye on me in case I have a massive heart attack or a stroke. The least I can do is say thank you very much, Jill. But Councillor Desira, who works full-time as a councillor, told her to think nothing of it and added, I work for you. Taking an old mattress to the Bilford Road Recycling Centre for a resident is not a typical task for any city councillor, but this is a special case. Mrs Butler is unwell and disabled and approached me because all other options have been explored and exhausted. She kept the double mattress clean and dry, propped up behind a sofa in her living room until it could be dealt with properly, and I thank her for this. For those who can afford it, the City Council offers an excellent bulky waste collection service. People have, <coughs> people have been issued advice ahead of the ambulance strikes which are set to take place in the up and coming weeks. West Midlands Ambulance Service has told residents only to call 999 in a medical or mental health emergency. They class an emergency as if a person is critically unwell or there is a risk to life. However, they are also urging people not to be worried about calling them on strike days because each call will still be triaged as normal. A spokesperson for West Midlands Ambulance Service said, If you're worried about calling us on a strike day, don't be. We're still taking your calls and we'll triage them as normal. We do have fewer ambulances responding today, so it is important that you consider using the symptom checker on hashtag NHS111 online or speaking to a pharmacist. Paramedics, emergency care assistants, call handlers and other staff will be striking on Monday, February the 20th, Monday, March the 6th and Monday, March the 20th. Thousands more ambulance workers voted to strike in the long-running dispute over pay and staffing. Unison said the growing NHS dispute will now cover ambulance services and other NHS organisations across most parts of England. Announcing reballot results of thousands more health workers, Unison said staff at an another four English ambulance services and five NHS organisations, including NHS Blood and Transplant, will now be able to strike in a significant escalation of the dispute. The union said ambulance staff at four services in England, South Central, East of England, West Midlands and East Midlands had voted to take industrial action. The 12,000 staff involved in the reballots can now take part in the ongoing dispute alongside their NHS colleagues at ambulance services in London, Yorkshire, the North East, North West and South West. Since the dispute over pay and staffing began in December, staff at these services have taken strike action on four occasions. 
Unison General Secretary Christina McNay said it's time the Prime Minister ditched his do-nothing strategy for dealing with escalating strikes across the NHS. Sadly, health workers across England have met with a wall of silence from number 10. A home care company says it will bring 200 jobs to Worcester within the next three years. Blossom Home Care is expanding into the city, so most of those jobs will be for carers. And registered manager Fiona Louise says jobs will not be working for minimum wage. I've worked in care myself for more than 12 years, she said, so I know how dispiriting it is for carers to try to help a client in a 15-minute rush before visiting the next appointment, then worry if they'll even get their petrol money back. We'll pay our carers at at least 12 to £13 an hour, send them on home care visits that are always at least 50 minutes long and support them if they want to progress through the system. Fiona, who began as a carer herself, and became a deputy manager before joining Blossom Worcester, said clients can expect to be treated as human beings. Retired squadron leaders are used to a certain standard of living and want to maintain that, she said. They've had some amazing experiences and great careers, and they deserve to be treated with respect and in a kind and caring manner. We will always listen to their stories and make them feel valued as an individual. Blossom respects that and allows them to direct their own care so they can continue to live on their own terms, not ours or someone else's. It's exactly the sort of care I've always wanted to give. So we'll be giving our carers time to care properly and to form a trusting relationship with our clients beyond catering for just their basic needs. Fiona said Blossom has ambitions to grow. This is really exciting, she said. We're going to start with one office in Worcester, then expand throughout our large franchise territory, opening more offices to serve other areas as we expand. We fully expect to have created more than 200 jobs within the next two or three years as demand grows for the premium home care we offer. More than 30 fruit trees have been planted on a new community orchard in St John's. Councillor Richard Udall, Councillor Robin Norfolk and Councillor Matt Lamb have used part of their budgets to fund the orchard at Coles Meadow, adjacent to Solitaire Avenue. The trees include cherry, apple and pear trees. Councillor Udall said the orchard is a living memorial to all those who died during the Covid pandemic, pandemic in St John's. It's dedicated to their memory and is a thank you to all the essential workers who worked so hard during the lockdowns and once established, the orchard will provide an abundance of fresh fruit and will significantly improve the area with spring blossom. It will hopefully last for many generations, bringing colour and enjoyment for many people. The councillors worked with the Friends of Lawnbrook Group and the City Council to ensure the trees are planted. 
Councillor Norfolk said it was great fun to take part in the planting of the trees. We were helped by members of the local community and by city council employees. The new community orchard will help to bring the community together and the fruit will be free for all to enjoy. A candlelit vigil was held in memory of a murdered transgender schoolgirl. Dozens of mourners gathered at the Guild Hall on Sunday evening to remember Brianna Gay. Brianna, 16, was found stabbed to death on a path in Colchester Linear Park in Birchwood, Warrington, on Saturday, February the 11th. The Worcester Vigil was organised by Andre Oldfield, co-owner of Sugar Daddy's, an LGBTQ plus cafe and community centre. Speaking at the vigil, he said, Brianna Gay was family. I don't mean that we knew her personally. I don't mean that she was related. I don't mean that we saw her when the holidays came round. I mean that I look at our entire community as a family and this week we lost a sibling. Andres added, Moments like this, I want to remind everyone that when our community is under attack, queer joy and trans joy is powerful and an act of resolution and resistance. So today we mourn the passing of Brianna Gay. We make this space to be sad and angry for the sister, niece, cousin and daughter that we all lost so that tomorrow we can take the time to remember our joy. Those in attendance were then given a chance to share their personal experiences. Among them, a father whose daughter had recently come out and several trans men and women spoke of the challenges they have faced. Following a minute's silence, the crowd started to mingle, sharing stories and offering support. The gathering in Worcester replicated similar scenes elsewhere in the country. On Friday, a candlelit vigil was held in Culcheth Village Green, near the scene of the stabbing. The following evening, residents in Brianna's hometown of Warrington wore rainbow flags, laid flowers and wrote tributes on a placard placed in the town square. Labour MP for Warrington North, Charlotte Nichols, said, It's every MP's worst nightmare to be asked to speak to eulogise a constituent who has been murdered, and never more so than in the case of a child. Brianna Gay's murder has left our community reeling, and I cannot begin to imagine the agony that her family, her friends and all her loved ones are feeling right now. No parent should ever have to bury a child. Trans lives matter and trans young people should have the fundamental rights to dignity and safety that should be universal human rights. Across the weekend, vigils were also held in cities such as Birmingham, Southampton, Nottingham and Edinburgh. A boy and a girl, both aged 15, have been charged with Brianna's murder and appeared via video link at Liverpool Crown Court on Thursday, where a trial date was fixed for July. (coughs) Co-op stores in Worcester are celebrating Fair Trade Fortnight by holding a colouring competition for children, with Fair Trade goodies as prizes. The competition will be judged by Worcestershire author and illustrator Helen Wendy Cooper, artist and digital illustrator Richard Jelfs, and co-op store manager Anne Rudge. Fair Trade Fortnight runs from February 27th to March 12th. 
Co-op was the first supermarket in the UK to stock fair trade products in all stores and they've supported farmers around the world for 25 years, helping them get fairer prices for the food they grow. Helen Wendy Cooper said, By buying fair trade products, you can make a massive difference to the lives of farmers and families in the communities that help grow our food products. This competition will help spread the word of the vital work fair trade does and how the co-op supports fair trade fortnight. I can't wait to see the children's entries. Helen has seven children's books published, including The Kissing Tree, written for several national magazines, was a judge for a BAFTA award-winning CITV Share a Story and Radio 2's 500 Words. Helen is a member pioneer for the co-op and main organiser of the colouring competition. Anne Rudge has worked for the co-op for 34 years, having been a manager for 33 years. She is based at the larger co-op store on the Ombersley Road. Anne said, I love my job, mixing with different people and helping individuals in the community. I really hope lots of children take part in the colouring competition. Participating stores include the two co-ops on Ombersley Road, the co-op at Baker Street and the co-op on Litchfield Avenue, all based in Worcester. The deadline is March the 12th and competition colouring sheets can be picked up and returned to the post boxes in store. Popular children's rides have disappeared from a tourist hotspot in Worcester. Worcestershire County Council said the children's rides and outdoor activities at Worcester Woods Country Park have officially been removed. For the past 12 years, the county park has featured a crazy golf, wildlife-themed bouncy castle and miniature train rides. The area opposite the Orchard Cafe is usually rented out occasionally for shows and private functions and was home to the children's activities too. Other activities, like miniature train rides, were positioned further down the field. Councillor Marcus Hart, Cabinet Member for Communities, said the opportunity had arisen to replace the area with new activities and the council is in the process of leasing the space to a new tenant. Councillor Hart said, Worcester Woods Country Park has in the region of 800,000 visitors per year and is a well-known regional attraction. The park mainly consists of natural woodland and meadow areas, but there is a busy cafe open all year round and two large play areas. There is a large events field adjacent to the cafe, which the park rents out on an occasional basis for shows or private functions. For the past 12 years, there has been an outdoor activities area situated in this field. This has now gone, and the opportunity has arisen to replace it with a new area with new activities. In the past, the activities provided have included crazy golf, wildlife-themed bouncy castle, and miniature train rides. The Country Park are entering into a process to lease the area to a new tenant who will run a self-contained outdoor activities area for the public, in keeping with the outdoor Country Park style and feel. If anyone is interested in finding out more about this opportunity, they can contact the Country Park on 01905 766 
A post office in Worcester has extended its temporary closure. Ombersley Road Post Office was supposed to reopen at 1pm yesterday, but this has been extended to March the 1st. The business has been closed for 15 days because of a refurbishment. While the branch at 129 Ombersley Road is closed, customers are advised to use alternative post offices. Nearby branches include the Brickfields Post Office and one stop at Brickfields Road, Worcester Post Office at WH Smith on the High Street and Warnden Post Office at Spa on Cranham Drive. Scott Lacey, Network Provision Lead for the Post Office, said, We are writing to update you about the building work at the above location and the branch closure on Monday the 6th of February. Due to delays, the service will not reopen on Wednesday, 22nd of February, at 1pm, as previously advised. The branch is now scheduled to reopen 1st of March at 1pm. We've provided posters for display in the branch and the store to let customers know. We would like to apologise for the inconvenience and temporary closure uh, this may cause. We hope that our customers will continue to use the post office. There is also a branch at Fernal Heath Cost Cutter Stores and Post Office 101 Droitwich Road. In November 2022, the busy Ombersley Road post office changed ownership after 21 years. Donna Evans, the former postmistress of the Ombersley Road post office, recently sold the business to its new owner, Dinesh Nathan. A pole dancer and influencer who has been teaching her craft in Worcester for almost a decade said she is on the hunt for a new venue. Imogen Gunter, who has over 100,000 followers on Instagram, said she is struggling to find a new venue to teach aerial and pole dancing in Worcester. For the past eight years, Miss Gunter has been running her classes at the Shrub Hill Industrial Estate, but several businesses in the area were given notice to vacate the premises due to ongoing renovations. She said she is struggling to find the right venue in Worcester due to a lack of market availability and the cost of living crisis. Miss Gunter, 28, has grown from teaching pole dancing from her bedroom in her parents' house at the age of 17. When her classes started to gain popularity, she knew it was time to move to a different venue. Miss Gunter said... It's always been a difficult run over the years and the issue with the roof has 100% got worse, especially with the redevelopment of the estate. But Miss Gunter said she did not always know she wanted to be a pole dancer. As a teenager, Miss Gunter said she was left feeling heartbroken over a previous relationship and unsure what she wanted to do with her life. But after her first pole dancing class, she became hooked and after learning the craft for a few months, she started teaching from her bedroom. She said, when I was 17, I didn't really know what to do with my life. I ended up taking a pole dancing class and becoming obsessed with it and started teaching it from my bedroom at my parents' house. And it got busier and busier, and my parents said, you have to find a studio. I fell into pole dancing, and I feel like I'm one of the luckiest people to be doing what I love. Some of the girls have been with me from the start since I was teaching in my parents' house and you do bond with people and you get on with them. 
And now for some sport items, starting with Worcester City football. Their next run of league games looks set to challenge their belief that relegation has always been more of a fear than reality. A run of three home games against sides in the top half of the Midland Football League, Premier, begins this weekend with the visit of Litchfield City to Clanes Lane this weekend. Following their clashes with Litchfield, Shiftnell Town and Darleston Town, they then have away trips to relegation rivals Utoxeter Town and Wolverhampton Casuals within three days. It's a run of five matches that will ultimately decide their fate on the MFL Premier and as things stand, their status as Step 5 club remains under threat. They currently sit fourth bottom, with the two lowest sides being relegated, ahead of casuals on goal difference only and Utoxeter, who have played two games more by three points. It is all in the hands still, and manager Chris Corns has insisted that he is not worried by relegation. We have three tough games coming up, he said. Utoxeter have played a few games more and are three points behind us. So relegation is not an immediate concern at the moment, but we're still having to look over our shoulder a bit. But ultimately, we have to dig in and go again this weekend. Anyone can beat anyone in this league. We have to make sure we put a performance in for our fans on Saturday when we play Litchfield. They deserve that from us. City played all five of their first games of 2023 away from home, so are now in a run of three on the spin of at Clanes after last weekend's 2-1 home defeat to Casuals. Worcester have managed just three wins at home all season long and haven't tasted victory at Clanes since the start of November. 2-1 win over Racing Club Warwick. Worcestershire's new head coach was full of praise for Josh Tung ahead of the new season. Alan Richardson believes the pace bowler will be like a new signing following a lengthy spell on the sidelines through injury. His comments come after Tung picked up eight wickets during England Lions' second test in Sri Lanka. Richardson said, for Josh to take eight wickets in the test was a fantastic effort, especially on those wickets which tend to be pretty flat and the ball doesn't have much sideways movement. He should take great heart from that as well. We are excited about Josh for this summer. The players certainly are. He didn't play any cricket for 14 months and it's like having a new signing with Josh. He's come back really strong, looks as fit as I've ever seen him, bowling with really good pace, bowling really accurately, and it should be a really exciting time for him this season. Worcester Wolves made light work of last-placed Nottingham Trent Hoods on Sunday as they moved up to the third position in the National Basketball League Division 2. A competitive first half concluded with Wolves 43-35 to 35 ahead, but an overpowering third quarter quickly accelerated matters to 74-49, to 49, ending the visitors' resistance before eventually the clash ended 91-68 to 68 in Wolves' favour. Ian Vivero Rodriguez led the scoring with 24 points, while four of his teammates also posted double-figure returns. Matai Baltanu had the 
hot hand early in the afternoon, repeatedly stepping around defenders to accumulate eight points in just the opening three minutes of the afternoon. The torch was then passed to Vivera Rodriguez, who jumped off the bench with three successive baskets to aid Worcester's 23-15 first quarter advantage. There was no slowing the small forward's output as he dropped a further 10 points to maintain his side's half-time superiority. Hoods were unable to repel a barrage of three-pointers soon after the interval. Evan Longman connected first, followed by long-range successes for Wilfred Sante, Arian Davoudi and Lucas McGregor, and a second from Longman. Sante provided a subtle assist to enable a simple layup for Umberto Ferreira and then threw up a clever lob, lob to facilitate a Longman slam. Little now came back from Nottingham, allowing Wolves to stride to their 12th victory of the season. After we corrected some things defensively in the second half, we did a lot better, explained Wolves coach Dean Blake. The spread of scoring demonstrates the depth we have in the team. This Friday, February 24th at 7.30pm, the University of Worcester Arena will see Wolves bid to puncture the 18-match unbeaten record of table-topping City of Birmingham Rockets. Birmingham is sure to be a competitive game from beginning to end and will need to be firing on all cylinders, added Blake. Although they beat us in our last match-up, it was close for the most part. Worcester City women's football are out of the Worcestershire FA County Cup after losing to holders Kidderminster Harriers 7-6 on penalties in the semi-final. In a tight contest between last season's finalists, the score remained goalless at full time as Kidderminster took full advantage in a penalty shootout as they managed to secure back-to-back County Cup final appearances. City started the shootout strong as they netted their first two. However, a couple of misses afterwards took the drama to sudden death, where after multiple spot kicks, the host clinched it. It was visibly a hard one to come to terms with for the Worcester players, but manager Matt Locke was full of praise for his side. It's a tough one to take. It always is when it comes down to penalties, said Locke. I thought we actually controlled the game really well, especially in the second half. We were good on the ball. We were first to those second balls. I thought that was some of the best football we have played all year. But when you don't take your chances, it's always risky. You have to take them. The pitch was challenging, but we did our stuff well. Some of our possession in the second half was the best it's been, and a lot of what we have been working on in training came off. But to then lose on penalties, it's never easy, but this will only make us stronger. I couldn't be prouder of the girls. It's a great one to use for us it's a great one to use for us to push on. I have no doubt there will be plenty of possibilities to take from that. And that is the end of our contribution for this week. Thank you for listening, and it just remains for us all to say, keep safe, and until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. And the obituaries will follow the music.
now the obituaries. Elsie Patricia Stevens, formerly Elsie Matthews, nay Philpotts, passed away peacefully on Monday the 23rd of January. A private family cremation. For any inquiries, please contact H. Handley Funeral Care, Bromyard. Patricia Winwood, known as Trish, of Northwick, Worcester, passed away peacefully on the 26th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 24th of February at 3.15pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons. George Gordon from Aberdeen, peacefully on Monday, January the 30th, Funeral service at Baldarroch Crematorium, Crathays, on Tuesday, February the 21st at 1pm, to which all are welcome. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, to Rubislaw Park Care Home. Saul Clayton Jean passed away peacefully in hospital on the 1st of February. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 24th at 10.45. Flowers or donations, if desired, for the Stroke Association may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son or a collection plate will be available at the crematorium. Keith Derrick Butcher, formerly of Metal Box, sadly passed away on the 4th of February. Funeral service to take place on Thursday the 16th of March at 10.45 at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only please, but donations to the British Heart Foundation. Inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors. Ken Morgan of Hadley sadly passed away on February the 5th. Funeral service on Monday the 6th of March at St Andrew's Church, Ombersley at 11.30. Family flowers only with donations for St Richard's Hospice and all inquiries to George Crump and Son. Roger Woodward, formerly of Gilliam Street, an ex-employer of Royal Worcester Porcelain, passed away peacefully on the 6th of February. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 28th of February at 11.30am. Family flowers only, but donations, if desired, for the guide dogs may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. And Donna Mary Pamela Yule passed away peacefully at home on 9th of February. Funeral service to take place at Bransford Chapel on Wednesday the 22nd of February at 2 o'clock, followed by an internment in Bransford Cemetery. Flowers may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury Funeral Directors in Malvern. And we send our best wishes and prayers to the family and friends recently bereaved at this very difficult time.